So I was contacted by a listener. I say a listener because the person didn't leave a name. And when a person doesn't leave a name, I go on the assumption that they chose not to include their name because it's very easy to write cheers Brian at the end of a message if you want to get your name across to somebody. And if you don't want to get your name across to somebody, it's very easy to just go cheers. So I'm going to skip a little bit at the start because there was the usual, um, well, Fran, hope you don't think I'm weird texting you, blah, blah, blah. Um, enjoying the podcast, keep it up and all that jazz. But I'll forgo the formalities and I'll get to the more specific thing that I want to address or the few things that I want to address. It's one thing that I'm addressing, but I'm going to try and come at it from a couple of different angles. Shocker. So the message reads, my boss said it to me. No, that's not where it reads. That's not where it starts at all. There we go. Here's where it starts. I have a question for you. Do you think you're hard on yourself? Okay, now again, I'm foregoing the preamble at the start. So the question posed to me is, I have a question for you. Do you think you're hard on yourself? And my reply was, it depends on how the question is framed, I suppose. Do I think I'm hard on myself? No, not particularly. But do I think I'm easy on myself? No, not particularly. To a certain degree, at least, you can't strive for greatness without being hard on yourself. Why do you ask? So that was my reply. And their reply back was, my boss said it to me after my promotion a couple of weeks back and it had me thinking. I personally don't think I'm too hard on myself, but I think the word too is very important. I'm hard on myself to the extent that I like to do things well and I get pissed off at myself when I don't do them well in a bid not to allow the same mistake to happen again. It was one of your podcasts I was listening to the other day that made me think of it, blah, 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 irrelevant. And that got me thinking and was like, there was something I didn't like about that. There was something... So he, he is kind of hard on himself, but he doesn't think he's too hard on himself, which is fine. I say himself because I don't know if it was a he or she. Um, but the thing that I didn't like was I like to do things well and I get pissed off at myself when I don't do them well in a bid to not allow the same mistake happen again. And that I, I, there was something about that that I really didn't like. And it's outlined in the following. So this is the message, this is my reply back. Yet another way of framing that question might be, do you get pissed off at yourself when you make mistakes? And I don't. Being pissed off is a toxic, self-flagellating mode of being. It's like hitting your foot with a hammer for not kicking the ball straight. Not exactly advisable. Things very rarely, if ever, don't work out the way I want them to. This is probably, in part at least, because I've become better at limiting my expectations. Done beats perfect and all that jazz. As far as I'm concerned, you're far better off doing things well over a long period of time rather than doing things perfectly now and then. Life is like practice. The more you do, the better you get. But getting pissed off at yourself because you had a bad training session isn't going to increase the likelihood you getting better at the sport of which you're practicing to get better at. On the contrary, the more you enjoy training, the more of it you'll do and the better you'll become over time. And the the piece of that that I want, this is me, this is in the text message. So the piece of that that I want to pick apart slightly is, if I can find it here, and I'll have to jump out into the the recording part. So, okay, so the, the piece that I want to address is when I say, things very rarely, if ever, don't work out the way I want them to. This is probably in part, at least, because I've become better at limiting my expectations. So there's, there's something that I want to pick apart there. A lot of us, myself included, are guilty of 
let's say we're at home for the day. We've no distractions. And we say, right. Now, this isn't everyone, but it's certainly a big part of me or a big part of the old me. Right, okay. I'm going to mow the lawns before it starts raining, right? And then I'm going to... Uh, I'll put out all the washing. And then I'll... Uh, uh, I'll clean the windows and then I'll get to the driveway and then I'll stop and have a bite to eat at lunch and then I'll uh, build a new studio and then I'll, uh, you know, chainsaw down that tree and chop it up for firewood and then I'll set the fire and then I'll, uh, you know, get a snack because that'll be, you know, two o'clock in the day and then I'll fix the, the, the squeaky wheel and the lawnmower and then I'll take apart the fucking chainsaw and put a, a sharpen the fucking chain on it and then I'll do this and then sure that could be four o'clock and it's time to go and collect kids and you you put this insurmountable amount of work ahead of yourself to, to I know in a weird perverse way you do it to make yourself feel good about yourself and the downside of it is you haven't limited your expectations You've put too much pressure on yourself. You've put more work that can be done in a fucking week-long period into an eight-hour period. And you're dooming yourself to failure. You're dooming yourself to feeling less than. You're, you're setting yourself up for failure. I've spoken before about this idea of setting yourself up for success. That's the opposite. You, I think people should strive to set themselves up for good things to happen to 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 lay the foundations of a productive day and the, the the better that we can set ourselves up to have productive days the more productive days that we're going to have the more positive emotion that's going to be generated and you're on an uphill spiral things are things are working out for you and people who whose lives pan out better than others in my experience, broad sweeping generalization alert, they've put more effort into setting up the circumstances for success. Because if you don't set up the circumstances for su success to materialize or to, to appear in your life or to be present in your life, it's not just going to happen by accident. Or at least there's a far less likelihood of it happening than you actually making an effort to produce what you want to have happen. And another thing it reminded me of was this phenomenon that we're far better off, we're far better at treating other people well than we are ourselves. And a fucking perfect example of this, as far as I'm concerned, is practically every house in the world, okay, has some sort of a, a, a press or a drawer or a bag or a box, or a cupboard, or a space where the medicine is, where the painkillers are, where the calpol is for the kids, where the bandages are, where the antiseptic wipes are, where the bee sting stuff is, where the sun cream is, all that kind of stuff generally gets loaded into a box, or a cupboard, or a press, or whatever it is. And what's common amongst all those locations is A, the general run of things that I just listed out that are in there. But there's also another slightly weirder one. So there'll be prescriptions 
that haven't been finished. So you, someone will have gotten a three-week course of antibiotics and they'll take a week's worth of them or maybe two, week, two weeks' worth of them. But there'll be some left over. And typically, and you can do this yourself, check your own fucking press if you don't believe me. Because if, if what I'm saying is correct, you'll either know as soon as I say it or you'll go and look and I'll be proved right. But I'm going to argue that, well, it's not even me that's arguing because I, I think I heard this off Jordan Peterson. If you go into that press and open it up, you'll find prescriptions that haven't been consumed. But they'll practically always and should always be in adults. So in my house here, there's myself, the wife and the two small kids. If I open up our press and look at the box of medical stuff, there's absolutely antibiotics that I haven't taken, 100%. And she's the exact same. The exact same. There's, there's bags of fucking antibiotics in there that have built up over the years from me and her not finishing them. But do you think that there's a course of antibiotics or a course of medication that our kids haven't gotten? Have their, or is their fuck? Because no matter what, no matter what, the kids are getting their fucking medicine because I'm their fucking dad and she's their mom and they'll fucking, they'll take it. If the doctor says they need it, they're fucking getting it and that's the end of it. Literally up to and including pinning them down and forcefully fucking giving it to them. But you don't do that to yourself. And what I'm, what I'm striving to get at here is we're great at looking after other people maybe not great, but we're typically, broad sweeping generalisation alert, far better off at looking after other people than we are ourselves. So in the case of that person that contacted me, who seemed to be a bit concerned that they might be a bit hard on themselves, or certainly is being hard on themselves by my standard, if they're beating themselves up over not, you know, doing as well as they wanted to or expected to. What I would say to that person is, Take yourself out of the equation for a minute and think of somebody else that's in your position and then give them the advice. Advise them to do what you do. I wonder to that person who texts me, I wonder could they even imagine themselves saying to somebody else that's in a somewhat similar position as they are. You know what you should do? You should try really hard and if it doesn't work out, you should fucking beat yourself up over it. You should really fucking get pissed off at yourself. It's not acceptable. Now, maybe they would, but I certainly wouldn't let fucking advise it. And there's something to that. And again, the specifics of what I'm talking about here, like always, are practically irrelevant. It's just the sentiment. It's just this idea that we're terrible custodians of ourselves or tend to be terrible custodians to ourselves. And that's something that can be addressed. And being aware of it, like fucking anything else, being aware of it is the first step in addressing it. Another thing that was mentioned, or that I mentioned, was this idea that I'm striving for greatness. And it's funny because, again, it's, it's a framing thing. Like the, like, the question was posed to me, am I hard on myself? And I said, well, it depends on what way you frame it. Am I hard on myself? No. Am I easy on myself? No. So you, there's always multiple ways of of asking the same thing and in my terminology you're just coming at things from different angles from different perspectives and I think there's something really healthy about the perspective of striving for greatness 
because I think a mistake that people make is they say they're great. I'm fucking brilliant. I'm deadly. I'm, I'm, I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to achieve that. And the reason I'm going to achieve it is because I'm fucking class. And people, generally speaking, just kind of go, Ugh. it just, it promote it provokes an eye roll. Because, you know, there's, there's an element that who do you fucking think you are? Shut the fuck up. But striving for greatness is an acknowledgement that you're not great, but that you want to be. And there's something that people can kind of get behind a little bit more there, I think. So I can say, unashamedly, that I'm striving for greatness. That's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming towards. But the thing about striving for greatness is, greatness is relative. So, if you're striving for greatness, you never achieve greatness. Because, because if your mode of being is striving for greatness, you're always, you're always kind of reaching a little. And it, there's an element of something I don't like about that. You know, you shouldn't always be reaching for stuff, but so long as you're comfortable in your own skin, like I, I'm quite comfortable in my own skin and increasingly so, and it's because there's a perpetual striving for greatness. So I like to, and I've spoken about this before as well, this idea of having an, an internal Loki of evaluation. The idea being that my sense of self-worth comes from inside myself. An external set Loki, and sorry, an external Loki of evaluation is when your self-worth or your own value that you have, your own opinion of yourself is based on what other people say. And that's, that's a recipe for disaster. So you're always far better off of having what's called an internal Loki of evaluation. So another way of framing that is you shouldn't compare yourself to other people. You should only ever compare yourself to yourself or to a past version of yourself. So when I look at myself now and I look at myself this time last year, I mean, if, if you were to lock those two Franos in a cage, the Frano that I am now would kick the fucking head of the other Frano. And if you were to pit 2021 Frano against 2020 Frano in an intellectual debate, I'd kick his ass too. And I would have said that last year about the previous year. And I hope that this time next year, I look back on this recording, for example, and kind of go, oh, Jesus, wasn't great, was it? But that would be by my standard that's increasingly gotten better over the course of the next 12 months. So I think striving for greatness is a, is a good mode of being, certainly better than the mode of being of being pissed off at yourself. I also mentioned the, the idea of, of training. So the more you enjoy your training, the more training that you will do. And the better at whatever it is that you're training towards you'll become. Another way of framing that is I've, I've often conceptualized this before in relation to where you train, specifically in relation to gyms. So there's a, there's a multitude of different gyms that you can go to. You can go to your standard you know, gym, gym, which has treadmills and weights and machines and all that kind of crack. But then you can go and you can do classes, you can do box fit or boxer size or Pilates or yoga or, you know, whatever it is that, you, that you're into. Step aerobics or fucking high intensity interval training. Or, there's a million and one different places that you can go and things that you can do. You can do fucking crossfit and you can go and join a jiu-jitsu club or an MMA club or you can go play in fucking football with the guy or join a soccer club or play hurling, rugby, tennis. Like, you know, it's, it's all the same fucking thing, essentially. But which one 
is the best value. And to me, a lot of people will put that down to price. Well, well, the gym, you can do three classes a week for free and they've got weights and they've got cycling and they've got spin classes and they've got fucking machines and they've got showers and they've got all these different things. And it's only X euro a month. So that has to be the best value. Like that's the same price as your man down the road who does jiu-jitsu. They're both 60 quid a month. But in jiu-jitsu, there's just, you know, four classes a week and it's always jiu-jitsu. And, you know, the gym is far better value. But... The best value to be found is irrespective of price within reason. Like if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But the point that I'm striving to make here is the gym or club or whatever way you want to phrase it, that's the best value is the one that you go to the most. So yes, the gym with all its classes and all its equipment and all the rest of it, that's 60 quid a month has more to offer to a degree than just a straight up jiu-jitsu class. But if you fucking love jiu-jitsu and you never miss one of those four classes a week and you eat, sleep and breathe the sport, well, that's far better value than a place that has all these different things that you can do that you're not really that bothered about, that you have to drag yourself to go, that you have to kind of make yourself do. Like I, aside, from the, aside from the hard sparring sessions, I never had to drag myself to the gym. And when I say the gym, I mean Kokoro, the, the club that I trained, the, the club that I trained mixed martial arts in. Like every Saturday morning, there was fight team training, and I dragged myself to that session every fucking Saturday that I went. But the training sessions, like, you know, you're, you're standing outside the place waiting for the doors to open. You know, kind of way, you're, you're first in and last to leave. And that's where the value was. Like it was like when I started doing it, I was like, geez, I think it was 60 quid a month at the time. And I was like, Jesus, 60 quid a month is is expensive. But it's not expensive when you practically live there. It's cheap as chips. So there's there's a there's always a relativity in relation to these things. And like most things, your your perception of them, your your perception creates your reality. There's very little objective truth in the world outside of, you know, just hardcore scientific fact and you know physics and mathematics like you know two plus two equals four and that's the fucking end of it but there's a hell of a lot more subjectivity in your just in your in your day-to-day existence so how you frame something is everything so hopefully whoever that was got something out of it um uh, again if you've any questions or queries or something that you'd like me to answer you directly or talk about in the podcast or anything of that nature I can be contacted on 089 60 47 888 and on that note I'll chat you soon <laughs>